Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, this episode with Jamie Whitmarsh is, I hope, really interesting for all of you to listen to. Jamie has made some pretty uh, interesting life changes, and the reasons for doing so I think are really important and ones that I've had to consider in my own career, and I'm assuming some of you might be dealing with a similar thing or you will deal with a similar thing in the future. So I really hope you get a lot out of this episode and that you find it interesting. Before we get into it, though, I just want to take a second to thank our sponsor for the podcast, Houghton Horns. For those of you that aren't familiar, Houghton Horns is a family-owned business in Keller, Texas, and their mission is to spread the joy of music through providing the highest level of products, services, and resources to the brass playing community. Houghton Horns was kind enough to send me a Bach C-190 trumpet and a Shires 4S8C trumpet, and using those two horns along with my own Bach C trumpet, I played a whole bunch of excerpts back to back to back, and I kind of compared and contrasted these three great C trumpets, and I made a video out of it that you can check out. I'll leave a link in the description for it where you can hear the differences between the instruments, and actually at the end of the video, I played pictures at an exhibition, the opening promenade, and I did not reveal which instrument was which. So hopefully you can kind of pick up on some characteristics of each instrument so that it might help you identify which horn is which when you hear the final test. Like I said, I'll leave a link to that in the description below so you can check that out if you're interested. At Houghton Horns, they strive to put service to the customer as their top priority. Whether you are a beginner student, a hobbyist, or a full-time professional, Houghton Horns can help you find what you're looking for. Go to HoughtonHorns.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and today I'm joined by my very good friend, Jamie Wind Whitmarsh. Uh, Jamie and I have been friends uh, since first year of freshman year of, or sorry, first week of freshman year of college. Uh, Jay, we've been through a lot together, and uh, Jamie and I have maintained our friendship through thick and thin, and... Um, He's someone who works incredibly hard. We actually interviewed him on the podcast a little while back for the freelancing series, and just some stuff has changed since then, and I kind of wanted to catch Jamie at this period in his life when he's made some pretty, uh, some pretty big changes, not only in terms of what he's doing in his career, but I think even just in terms of how he sees himself and the changes he's made since then. So... Um, we're just going to dive into that and see if we can learn anything from him and we'll go from there. So thanks for hanging out with me a little bit, James. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, let's just start. I, I don't even know really where to start. So I think the best place would be what was happening. What was your life like maybe six months ago, kind of painting what it was like so that when we talk about the changes, there's some context for it. Yeah. So Sorry. It's very early in the morning here. It's 9.42 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so six months ago or seven months ago or whatever, um, in the fall, I was teaching at uh, two different universities as an adjunct um, and performing a lot with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic. Last time I was on your podcast, I had done my trial week and was uh, in a probation year, basically. Uh, or maybe I don't know if I had played my trial week yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Um, but either way, yeah. So I'm I'm tenured with the Philharmonic now, um, which is awesome. So yeah. So I would my life would look like this on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I would teach from eight to eleven at one school, and then drive about a half an hour, uh, so I would usually eat breakfast then uh, at 11, and drive a half an hour to a different school and teach till 6. And then if I 
did not have Philharmonic, I would probably be done for the day. And if I did have Philharmonic, I would go to rehearsal from 7.30 to 10. And then, uh, which is about half the time. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would teach from like 8 to 10, or no, like 8 to noon at one university. And then I would uh, come up here to my office that I rent. So for the last couple of years, I've rented this office space where I have my desktop PC and my near-field monitors and um, MIDI controllers and such. And this is where I do my audio editing and composing and production. So Monday through Friday was pretty packed. And then Saturdays would be marching band football games for one of the universities that I teach, taught drumline at. And then um, Philharmonic shows. And then Sundays would be a variety of things. Uh, sometimes it would be a rehearsal of a show. Sometimes it would be nothing or recitals, whatever. It could be any number of things. So that uh, was a very tough schedule, <laughs> as you can imagine. And the other thing, too, is, you know, I'm essentially teaching two full-time loads as a faculty member across two different universities, but being paid as an adjunct because I'm an adjunct. And uh, so working sort of the two full-time equivalents of teaching while this job with the orchestra, which is very active, um, but like not really being paid even one full-time salary because I'm adjunct. Uh, so there's a little bit of that too. I can do 14-hour days. You know, if I'm pulling six figures, 14-hour days are flying. Yeah, right. And I guess to try to frame even how you got to this schedule, <laughs> I, I assume it was just continuing to be open to whatever opportunities came your way, you would, something would happen. You say, cool, that sounds awesome. And the next thing, cool, that sounds awesome. And pretty, pretty soon you have this insane schedule with so much stuff to do. Is that, is that right? Or is it, did it happen a different way? Yeah. Well, um, obviously for all of us, COVID and the way it has disrupted our industry has made us, has made a lot of people, not just in music or education, like reconsider why we do what we do, um, what what we're getting out of it and what's the viability of this career, all of these things. And so for a couple years in a row in the summers, um, I had really flirted with the idea of leaving music and learning coding. And each time it's sort of, there's something that pulls me back in where, um, you know, I could take the same amount of time and apply it to you know, marching band arranging or whatever. And make more money basically than I would going to a, a non-musical job at least right away. Uh, and so last summer in August, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm jumping all in on game audio and, and game composition. And so I did in August, I wrote music for five games, uh, five game jams. Uh, and that was really awesome. And so I was like, really, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go teach at this one university, teach composition. Uh, like I have been, and then do game composition, and that's what I'm going to do. And then two weeks before the semester started, I got called from the second school about teaching percussion, which is what my doctorate is in. And I love teaching percussion. I love teaching composition. So for me, I had the choice of say no to this opportunity to teach percussion at the university level uh, at the to the extent that I would want to do that, uh, or say yes, and then stay at both schools, or two weeks before the semester, tell school A, hey, I'm not coming back in two weeks, which is, there are probably plenty of universities that would be happy to do that to you, and they do that to adjuncts, um, but I'm not, I don't want to do that to someone, I'm not, that's not how I want to, those are not seeds I want to plant. So, uh, yeah, so I just kind of was like, okay, this fall is going to be tough, and then I, you know, made it clear to one of the universities, like, I need to be full-time, or I need to, to not do this anymore because this is too much part-time contract work and I'm not being compensated well enough for it and I also this is my sixth year as an adjunct like I, I'm not going to be an adjunct forever I'd rather get out than keep wading in the water and trying to keep my head above um, so I left that school in December and actually I left the other school in May yeah so these are the two kind of major life decisions we were talking about where for a lot of people 
speak, teaching in academia is the thing that you pursue. You know, it's one of the it's one of the sort of predetermined paths that people can go on. And obviously, people are looking for full time employment. But I know we don't have to get super deep into it. You can decide to talk about it however you want. But I know you applied for a few different full time positions and they didn't work out. And I think that played into not just that it was disappointing, but if opportunities for full time employment are reducing in the state that you're in you either have to continue trying or go elsewhere and those are neither of those seem to be good options to it is that sort of framing it right yeah so you know my wife teaches at a university here and uh i have this job with the oklahoma city philharmonic and you know timpani auditions in general don't come open very often I mean, and even just orchestral auditions anyway are not super common and um it's like bird in the hand one in the bush, like, I don't think that it would be wise for me to leave a, a really solid performing job. I mean, it's a part-time orchestra, uh, but, like, it's like halftime, you know, I mean, 110 services at least a year, which is, which is quite, a, quite a bit, and um, the group sounds great and really adventurous programming. Like, it's a really great situation. Uh, we have a strong, a strong, uh, group of musicians and administration. And so, like, to move to X state university to do the job for three or four years to hopefully get a job back here, you know, where I live, isn't, <laughs> I don't know that that's really the right path. And it's actually the whole academic process, it's a little, like, in, in an effort to, quote unquote, be unbiased, you know, I think I think people really do talk themselves out of good decisions because they want to appear to be they want to be impartial. They want to. There's always someone who looks better, like someone from outside. Um, and so, like, if you have, I just want this is there anyone who's on a committee? If you have someone good who is there already, who has been doing the job, like that's worth a lot more than some other person who's going to come in change a bunch of things so it looks better for them and then use that to launch pad somewhere else to like a tenure track position in some other school or whatever um, and that's not really about me that's just like a, a philosophical thing i think people treat it like a business like well we're just going to hire the best candidate and but there's a lot of like soft skills there's a lot of soft attributes that people have from working with the students and being in the community and i think it actually tears up communities because then you work you establish yourself and then you get hired somewhere 12 hours away. And you go there and you have to do that again. And then someone else comes in here and they start to establish them. And it's just like this big uh, sort of merry-go-round where we kind of lose our local cultures and everything kind of becomes homogenous because we're just trading people around all the time and sort of breaking up these communities. Anyway, what was the question? <laughs> I don't even remember, <laughs> um, but that's an interesting sort of an interesting point into, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that's why part of why you pursued getting a doctorate is you you know that it's hard to quantify, quote who's the best, and so oftentimes the pedigree and the things that you have done outside of it can it, it certainly help, and so I know you pursued a doctorate, um, I think to give yourself a better chance to be able to be competitive. Um, for positions like this. And so when it doesn't work out, uh, I would love for you, uh, you know, again, you can speak as, as much as you feel or as deep as you feel like it, but I'd love for you to sort of expand upon the feeling of I, I did this for a particular reason. And it's, I mean, you could pursue it as long as you want, right? So like, there's always like the idea that like, if you just don't give up, maybe it'll happen someday, right? So excluding that, because it's a valid argument, what does it feel like to have put in a lot of effort for a particular payoff and the payoff may not happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost certainly not going to happen. Um, I think the thing that, you know, I, I did, I got the doctorate for like two or three jobs basically in this area that, um, that I would be interested in and I'm not going to drive two hours a day. You know, I'm not going to take a, even an hour commute is too much for me. So, yeah, there were a couple of specific jobs that I was like, you know, I need to have a doctorate uh, ready for these things. But 
I think the other thing too is that when I started that, the world was in a very different position when I started getting my doctorate than when I finished it. I started in 2017 um, and I was teaching still at one school. I was teaching three classes and a bunch of lessons. And then at the where I was getting my doctorate, I was getting I was teaching a bunch of classes as a TA. I mean, it was a lot. I lost 26 pounds my first semester. Um, that was when I started in 2017. And then I finished it in 2021 you know, virtually defending my dissertation and all, everything had just changed. And in that time, I mean, higher ed has obviously got a lot of problems crop up and it's just like the jobs are going away. Everything's being adjunctified. Um, the, every university runs on adjuncts and the students don't really know what that means, um, but it just means that you're paying a bunch of money to go, it, it goes somewhere, but it doesn't go to your professors. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, and so, it, I mean, there's part of me that I get really spun up when I'm like, oh, I'm when I feel like I'm supposed to be doing X or I'm supposed to be X or I'm on this path and like that's, and then look at these other people that are on the same path and they're doing these things and I'm not... <clears throat> I'm putting in work and I'm doing good work and I'm creating and it's like in all and I've had a couple of interviews and the like when I list all the things I do it is a lot and you do a lot because one I mean I like being helpful I like being useful but two you know you put on events and you go play concerts at schools and you show that you can do this job and that you can be visible and that you have all of these different avenues of expertise in the field. And that's all great. But um, the thing is, every job is, if you're not, you're, when you get your doctorate, you're not, get, you're not getting ready for one job. It's not like, okay, I'm going to apply for a job. It's a hundred different jobs out there. And every single job wants one or two specific things that you may or may not have and you may or may not know about. And that's just the nature of each school's needs. Um, so I really felt this semester, um, I really felt like, okay, I can keep doing everything and most of it's volunteer. I can keep investing in improving the community and being a leader. And not that I'm like some messiah of, of music or something but um, it's more just like i like you know the marimba the great plains international marimba competition is a good example it's something that i um that dane romano started like eight or nine years ago i don't remember how long and it's really a great competition and last year my nonprofit organization took it under our or two years ago actually under our umbrella and last year we got to run it for the first time because covid had stopped 2020 and i mean it was a ton of work i mean not not just me, it was me, Sarah Neely, Patrick Womack, Tommy Dobbs, Von Hansen, Keith Hendricks, but varying degrees, but Sarah and I were really in the thick of it the whole time, and then especially the week of the competition, and it's a ton of work, and it's all volunteer, and so, you know, you leave, and you're just, like, exhausted, and we did a great thing, and it's awesome, but I'm like, but this doesn't help me pay off my student loans that I Mm -hmm. took out to get a full-time job, and I'm in my mid-30s. When am I supposed to get a full-time job? When am I supposed to be employed full-time? Because I'm not eligible for any loan forgiveness or anything like that, like many people might be, because I don't have a full-time job. I just have like three full-time jobs that aren't full-time on paper, Um, but when you add it up, it's really a lot. So I could just keep volunteering, which is my nature, and keep organizing things and keep demonstrating my leadership in the field um, that I'm you know, active and get nothing for myself, really. And that sounds, you know, it feels icky to say that, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you gotta get something out of it. And feeling good and enjoying being helpful isn't, again, it doesn't pay the bills. So I was actually ready to quit music entirely like two or three months ago, and I had, I had kind of made that decision. I was freaking out a lot. And um, my poor wife had to talk me down off ledges, metaphorical ledges, multiple times. 
because um, it's like I should just quit. I don't know why I'm doing. You know, all of that. And I kind of came to a solution, maybe temporary, but I'm so I've quit teaching entirely, and I'm jumping all in as a composer, which is something I haven't done ever. I've always done a million things, and so I'm actively saying no to things. I'm not taking extra gigs. I'm focusing on composing. I'm giving myself a year. So focusing on composing about 30 hours a week, and then um, on the side learning coding as well. So that at the end of the year, I don't feel trapped, but that I, I have options. I can say, hey, you know, this isn't working out. Uh, I've been developing these skills. Maybe I can start to move into tech. So that's that's my plan and giving myself a start and end date, May 16th. Yeah, I think this is this such a difficult conversation, one that I've certainly had with myself, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've sort of settled on, it's very valuable to do, th when you want to learn a skill, you need opportunities to practice the skill. And so it can be very valuable to do things for free when you're first starting, not only to potentially get opportunities, but to also have like almost no pressure mm -hmm. on the payoff. Like if you do a terrible job, it's not like someone paid you money so that, you know, it, it reduces some of that. Or you just sort of like, you know, do your own projects, I guess, if you can do that. But the ideal situation is you do eventually develop some skills that are worth something. And that I've kind of reached that point also in my own, like I've done so much free stuff for videography and, you know, m many different things, but that's kind of the biggest one that I think about. And it's like, I think that I have developed my skills to a point where I could get paid for at least something, yeah. you know, <laughs> like maybe not like, maybe not Hollywood cinematography, but at least something. And it's just interesting to think about that because I didn't make a conscious choice to be like, it's time. It just was like, you know what? Like, it seems like this should be a thing. And it sounds like you kind of hit that point too, where you were like, you know, I've developed these skills. They're worth something. If people aren't going to pay for them, I need to make a, a pivot. I need to pivot and find some way to be able to take the time I'm using, use it in a way that's going to create value for me so that I can continue to create more value for others, ideally, that's what you're looking for, you know, and if eventually you just have to stop. So I think it's a really interesting play you're making to also develop this other skill on the side so that you said, yeah, like I'm going to invest all of my time or most of my time in composing and really see, but also developing this thing in a year, I'll have some amount of skill. That means maybe I can actually get paid some money to do that skill, too. So yeah. I guess that's sort of a summary, sorry, a summary of what you were just saying, but I totally resonate with it. And I think a lot of people are stuck in this. I'm doing so much stuff. What do I do? And what I've learned and what it sounds like you've learned is you just have to figure out how to do less and double down on whatever you think will provide whatever is the most amount of value you can provide to try to double down on that and to see if the problem was not the value, but rather you couldn't invest the kind of time to really bring it to fruition. Yeah, and I think, you know, a, a good example of, so, you know, I, I, this is, I don't know what number of podcast interview this is that, I've, that I, we're doing today, but I've done a fair amount. And, you know, they always start off with this laundry list of here's all the things that Jamie does. And it like at a certain point when they're listing stuff, it starts to become funny because it's like, and then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's all this in this other category. And it's like, my artist page on Facebook used to say Jamie Wood Whitmark's musician just because it was like composer, performer, conductor, administrator, advocate, all these things. And it's like muddies the brand a lot. You know, if I'm trying to, if I want you to commission me to write you a piece, you know, thinking of me as a conductor isn't going to help you any or help me any. The, the, the other thing about it too is the focus. Because for me, it's hard to be in a bunch of different places. Uh, I really don't want to be driving around the city and I don't want to have five offices. I would just want to be able to go to one place because of my childhood and the way that I, my growing up was, it was very unstable. And so I want stability. I want predictability. You know, I want to know where I'm going to sleep every night. I want to know where, when I'm getting up and where I'm going and what I have to do. And, um, and a good example is like, it must have been right before, it must have been 2019. Uh, I was in Lebanon teaching with American Voices 
and at a Yes Academy, and it was it was cool. It was really awesome. But I would like, I would be up at midnight in Lebanon, arranging marching band stuff because it was marching band time, and then sending stuff to directors, and then like on calls with them at like three a.m. my time to discuss the show. And it's like I've always had to cram my composition stuff in between a bunch of other things. A oftentimes teaching, and so now because teaching is draining. It, I mean, it generally is. It, it's not a passive activity. It's you're you're really getting in there and you're really like exhausting yourself and the student, getting them to push further and, um, and like that's draining. So you don't really have a ton else to give and you have to like pull water from the stone. So this is the first time I'm. Just like, I do work one day, and then I come back the next day, and I continue that work, and that continuity, and that momentum, is is has been very exciting, and I've I've barely gotten started. Yeah, one of these books that I've read recently is called "So Good They Can't Ignore You" mm. by Cal Newport, and he's referencing the this Charlie Rose interview with Steve Martin. And Steve Martin saying, like, the key to success is, I mean, he's like, people want me to talk about networking and, you know, being at the right parties and knowing the right people. But he's like, my key to success is just being so good they can't ignore you. And I think sometimes that's, I don't want to say it's overlooked, but I think it's minimized. I think that's kind of what you're talking about is like, you obviously, you've written pieces for me. I've recorded pieces for you. Like, I really value what you do. But to be able to make a, a huge push towards creating something that is so good that people can't ignore it and then being able to potentially branch out from there if that ever hits some sort of like a you're making enough money per um i guess commission that you feel like okay i could do x amount of commissions and feel like that's good for this and maybe i can then become someone who starts this thing and then i start this thing but you're on a bed of doing what you already want to do and I guess it translates to me sometimes in school. Like I don't like the idea of being diversified in your interests or like, I'm going to learn how to do classical and jazz and I'm going to play in a brass quintet and I'm going to do these things is really people say it's a good idea, but like not if it stops you from becoming so good at something that people can't ignore you. I think that element is worth talking about. And it kind of means you have to, do that at, to the exclusion of other things you might be interested in, at least for a period of time. I think I'm curious for, at least with that kind of framing, what your thoughts are. Yeah. So I would push back on Steve Martin's statement because um, I think it really ignores the reality that there are a lot of people doing these things and there are a lot of great people. And I don't think that it's just, we don't live in a merit based society. So it's, it's not like, well, the people that we're hearing about must be the best, and that's that. That's just not, that's not true. Um, you know, for composing, there's, like, what it, What even is a quote-unquote composer? I, like, people just say, I'm a composer, and then, like, oh, you're a composer, and that's that. So there are, um, yeah, so I, I don't think that it's, like, well, if, if you name your favorite piece or whatever, that's the best composer, you know? I, there's, yeah, I know that I'm uh, starting sentences and not ending them, which is really, but yeah, so um, I don't think that that's true because I think he, he's old and the competition, it's like instantaneous now because back then it was like word of mouth, you know, and like maybe a tape, you know, video or a, a cassette tape or whatever, depending on the year. Or a CD or whatever, you know. There's, there's like, people have skin in the game. You know, they have to, they have to rep you. They have to say, no, this one, watch out for this one. This one's good. But now there is no skin in the game. You just make something, you post it, and it can blow up on TikTok, TikTok, and then you're a celebrity. You know, and then there you go. And that isn't. It's like so much chance and so much luck, and there's so much competition. There's so many people vying for attention that um, I think it's. I, it might be attractive to think that like the cream rises to the top, so to speak. Um, and I think that you can't generally sustain success without having being so good that they can't ignore you. But I think even just getting heard or even getting seen, it doesn't matter how good you are necessarily, you know? 
yeah, I there's no question that being in the right place at the right time in many in many instances is is like an integral part of being able to become established. There's no doubt. And I think what you just said at the end is kind of what I try to focus on is like, I can't control if like something becomes viral and whether I agree that it deserves to be viral or not, but I can control that. Like that thing might fade away one week from now. Cause there's another viral thing mm -hmm. there. And if you know, you're trying to build something that's going to last, or you're going to try to, to create something that's going to make a sustainable career. I mean, if you read that book, it talks about what Steve Martin did for a very, very long time before anyone ever paid attention to who he was, you know? It's like that idea of he was working in a, behind a closed door for a long time. And that's kind of, it sounds like to some degree, that's the kind of work you're looking forward to doing is just to close the door into work and to not think, not try to figure out what it means, but just to have some opportunities and then say, how do I do the best work I can do and how do I keep learning? Yeah. I, I just, yeah. Well, and... To speak to your actual question that you asked, instead of just saying some manifesto that I decided to say, um, <laughs> you remember Joey Doubleday? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he's a great example of, you know, when I was in school, I, I very much took the do everything at the highest possible level. That's your job as a student. Like that's, and part of it being a percussionist and then being a composer. And then I was conducting, I mean, I was just doing it all. And I was like, you don't know what your future is going to hold. You need to have all these skills and you need to be as excellent as possible at all of them. That was my mindset. And Joey was really into jazz vibes. And I, after his second year at OCU, he, he transferred out um, to go to Berkeley and focus on jazz vibes. And I was like, dude, that's a terrible idea. You know, like, because that's such a specific landing point. You know, um, not that it's niche or anything and not that it's like, odd i mean no not at all but that's such a like when you're when you're surrounded by people who are doing a bunch of different things or people who are like okay i'm gonna be an educator or I'm gonna, you know like these clearly defined paths like you were saying and i'm like that's such a that's such a specific target and you know and then he he transferred out and at the time i was just like oh and i didn't i was like 19 or 21 or whatever i didn't know what the world was but I, that was my philosophy at the time. And I mean, we've been like, oh, no, I hope, you know, he does okay and stuff. Because he was great at Jazz Vibes. But that's, again, such a specific goal. Um, but, yeah, and then he did his master's at Juilliard. And he's gigging, he's sustaining himself gigging in New York City on Jazz Vibes. And he's, like, absolutely a success because he focused on the thing that he wanted to do. And that he was, like, not uniquely, because there are other Jazz Vibes in the world, but that he is suited to do and that he's on fire for and he has something to offer in and he like wasn't apologetic about it and he wasn't worried about well is this going to you know can i predict the future with this he just jumped all in and i think you know i don't know that i've ever done that with anything yeah yeah i'm thinking about that a lot right now too i i when i f first started trying to become more of like a presence i guess if you want to call it that i i think i was living under this allure that like i could bypass a whole bunch of stuff if i just figured social media out mm -hmm. you know and so i'll just like post these things and get this following on social media and then what i didn't understand then is like and then what like what if i gained a hundred thousand followers but had nothing of any substance or value to offer like but then what and sure i played the trumpet well but it's like compared to what I'm able to offer at this stage, because I've actually just tried to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and get better and better at this, like, if you want to call it organization or structure and practice, you know, the school method stuff, you guys make fun of me for it. But, um, we don't make like, fun because of you, I've, we just, it's, I know. Yeah. It's an easy flavor <laughs> um, to a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because I've dug deeper, I feel like I have something like actually unique now to offer beyond, I just play the trumpet really well, which is also another cool thing. And, um, I just, I wouldn't have been able to figure that out until, you know, stuff with COVID, you know, bl it blew up all the performing arts, but our job was not unaffected by it. And that's, a, that was a huge push for me actually. And just having the time, right? Like having the time to, to, to think about other things. And so, that, yeah, you know, sorry, you, that's a good thing. Like having that time, cause you know, 2020, the summer of 2020, I mean, it was pretty awesome. Uh, cause I just had time and that's the thing where I think 
I mean, I certainly didn't use it great, uh, you know, I, at all. There was a certain point I was just like, I don't care anymore. Everything's canceled. Like, who cares? But I feel like if I had had one goal, you know, if I'd had one specific, I'm like, okay, here's the thing. Like, if I'm like, I'm a composer and I'm doing, then like, I might have used that time better because I might have, instead of trying to kind of keep six different careers afloat or like on life support, just focusing in on one and, and doing it to, and like having the, okay, today I'm going to at least compose for like three hours, you know, and that's all, you know, that's all I'll do. I'll take the rest of the day off. But I didn't, I was just like floating basically waiting for word from someone that something was going to work out because everything was on fire. And so, yeah, so I think for me, it is very much about the focus and the, the single direct going in a single direction and sort of saying like, this doesn't work, I'm out. And that's, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay to move out of music. I need to be able to pay my, my student loans off. That's yeah. my number one job. <laughs> yeah. So sort of at the tail end of this, this discussion here, I kind of want to take a step back to something you previously said that you have your own office space. And uh, I, I referenced you in a presentation I did at OCU just saying that the thing that's going to make your career move forward is doing meaningful, valuable work, like what Cal Newport would call deep work, right? And you need to be able to focus to do that. And you value that so much. And I, I'll have you describe why you chose to do this, but it just plays. It's just like what you're talking about now is the next logical step, right? It's like I got my own office space, but I recognize I still am pulled in too many directions to get the most valuable work out. And so I'd love for you to share why you got this office space and why you're willing to pay money to have it, you know? And then also, you know, just speaking then to the larger point that it seems to me, and you you could correct me for wrong, it seems to me that you're just continually being pointed in the direction that's like, I have to do less and then be able to invest more in the, th- you know, at least to see, but invest more in something that I think I will provide the most value with. But I, you know, I just kind of love for you to, from your perspective, either tell me I'm wrong or sort of say like, if you agree with that and why. Yeah. So for me, it's important to have like, when I'm at home, I want to relax. I don't want to work. And I spent 2020, I worked a lot at, I mean, worked at home. I mean, that's what we did, but uh, I would do, you know, like just in the, in the blue room, which is what we call our sort of den or activity room, you know, I have my laptop connected to the TV and I do my work sitting down on the ground at this table. And that's that, or I would go upstairs where I have my drum set and all these things and work up there. And I used to have my computer upstairs in my studio area and the air conditioner is really loud and it's basically, it was an attic. It's poorly insulated. So it gets very hot or very cold, uh, depending and the cat's crying outside like they want in they're pawing the door mario he's just like pawing the door we call it the running man and it's like so many distractions and also it's like okay i'm gonna go work and then i'm gonna go upstairs and then go for half an hour and then I'm like okay i'm gonna go downstairs but like here i'm driving to a place to go do work and then when i leave generally i could be like okay i'm done with work and that separation helps with the focus because like i'm here to i'm here for business i'm not uh, hanging out here. I don't have any games installed on this computer. It's like, you know, just work. And so that's been, that was really great. So I got that at the end of 2020. I think December 2020 was my first month and I set it all up. But then, yeah, like the last year or so, it's like, you know, there's been months where I come over here once or twice and that's it. And I'm like, why am I paying money for an office that I'm not using? It's not, it's basically a storage unit at that point. So now, I'm using it every day. I'm over here. It's awesome, and and I love it, and it, it helps me. And yeah, I'm paying money, and that's like in some ways it's opposite of my goal, which is to make money <laughs> and to acquire money. Um, but it helps me make money because it really makes my, the quality of my work better. Yeah, and like that's what's gonna. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the p- previous conversation. That's what's gonna be able to connect you with people the most. So the last question I have for you is now that you have doubled down, tripled, quadrupled, however many down on composing, are there any projects you're most interested in or is it just kind of a wide 
net you want to cast? Like if somebody's looking for a composer, how would somebody know how to get in contact with you? I'd just love for you to kind of share where you hope the next year will take you. Yeah, so um, I really like, and I think I'm really well suited to writing music for video games. So if you're a developer out there and you're listening, you know, check out my portfolio and my reel. Uh, but it's something that, that's my first love. Uh, that's where, that was my introduction to music. And it was how I spent, like, all my favorite music in middle school and high school was video game music. So that's just how, that's where I'm from. That and then, like, metal. You know, like, Opeth and CKY is not really metal, but these kind of things. And so um, video game music, that's where the coding is coming in. Like, I am looking at um, web development, but also just learning more about if I can create my own Pong clone or something, then I can also practice implementing music in that and try new ways of creating interactive audio and sound effects and stuff. And so um, I'm cutting out the middleman a little bit. I can really practice the audio implementation uh, without relying on a developer. So video game music is a big focus. I'm right, right now I'm working for Scrap Guilds, uh, Attack Wagon Gangs. You can see my hat and my shirt. Yeah. I mean, this is a podcast. Yeah, but you can see it. <laughs> and you can describe it, you know, in your, in your it's blurb. Green. But yeah, so that that's great. Um, yeah, so video games. And then I'm also been meeting with a lot of people about, well, marching band. So, you know, I, I do a, I have a marching band company, a103marching.com. You can see my video game stuff at a103productions.com. And you can see my marching band stuff at a103marching. Uh, and then concert music. I've been talking with some folks, and I'm sort of doing a discounted rate right now. Um, so jump on that if you want it. Uh, educational slash community ensembles. So if you have a band or an orchestra that's uh, middle school or high school or whatever, uh, or choir, or you have a community band or community orchestra, I have discounted prices for those. And then also for solo instrumentalists and then chamber ensembles up to four, I have um, discounted pricing that's not a per minute price, which is more standard in the composition world, but it's sort of a flat fee um, for a, a, a decent sized piece, you know, not like an hour long solo cello sonata, but, you know. So yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that and I'm just, like I said, I'm just working on working with as many people as I can and, and really getting a lot of music out there. My, I have a the, Mar the Great Plains International Marimba competition I'm not involved with this year. I'm, I stepped away a few months back, uh, again, just to have one fewer tendril um, and just so I can focus. But I'm writing the compulsory piece for that. So all the finalists for the collegiate and open division have to play a, a piece. Like They play two pieces, one that they choose and then one that's uh, the compulsory piece. So I'm writing that for that yeah. as well. For me... Part of just continuing to do things is that you hope, like, once you have enough content out there, it just hits, like, a point of critical mass where people have heard it or they've seen a video or this or that. So I wonder if it's a similar thing for you. Just being able to compose more means that there are more pieces that will be out there. That's more chances for your stuff to be heard. Hopefully that's more chances for people to be interested, you know, hitting that point of critical mass. So it'll be exciting to see, you know, one year from now when you – and that deadline is approaching to kind of see where you're at. Maybe we can get you on the podcast back then and sort of do like an update type thing because I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like I've been evicted from my home and, and I'm like, you know, I'm just like living in my car and I'm just have to do it. Um, I have like a, like an old, like an iPhone 3 or something. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one possibility. It is. I knew it going into this that, that could happen. So. So a103productions.com, a103marching.com. Is there any other Jamie Whitmarsh music, Jamie Wynn Whitmarsh music? Uh, just jamiewhitmarsh.com, and that's where my, a lot of my concert music is. Okay. So you can check Jamie out at any of these places if you're interested. I would recommend you check it out. I've, I've recorded stuff of Jamie's on my CD and um, I've performed other things of his, and we have a project that we've been talking about that we kind of are looking forward to doing over the summer. So um, I, I would rate Jamie's stuff, I would say, very highly. It's He's willing to work with people. It's funny. I'll tell a quick story. 
because I always try to tell it wrong, but you make sure you correct me that when you wrote one of my pieces, that the insights, you like wrote it and then I complained about how hard it was. And you were like, well, I asked you if you wanted it to be different in any way. And you said no. So it's clear Jamie values the collaborative process as well. And I just didn't take advantage of it. No, I, I do. It's like with my wife, too. I'm like, here's this music for clarinet. Does it, does it feel good? You know, and she's playing this like, yeah, it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but will other people play it? And she's like, oh, no, this is really hard and unidiomatic. And I'm like, that's what I need you to tell me, you know, like, you know, what would make it better? She's like, well, if this was down a whole step, and I'm just like, you know, control T, transpose down a whole step, like problem solved. Yeah. It's not a big, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, I mean... Maybe I'm a bit biased because you're one of my best friends, but uh, I just think your music is, um, I think it's great stuff. And I think people should uh, check you out. And so that's where you can do that. Do you have any final words, anything that you would want my audience to know that you think is important or something you've learned through this process that you value a lot? I'm just curious for what you might, what you might throw out. Well, the, the, for me, like, I wasn't going to be able to piecemeal, slowly weed things out. Um, it was like I wasn't going to stay an adjunct, you know, just a little bit adjunct and a little bit of that, a little bit. I, you know, I started from I'm going to quit music. And that was where I, what I was going to do. And then actually, I'll tell this story. Uh, the person in question doesn't actually know that she changed my life, but I'll probably tell her at some point. Um, but we had, a, we had an OKC Philharmonic. And it was a discovery, which is when we have a rehearsal and then a, a show in the same day. And it's for, like, families it's on a Sunday. Or, no, no, sorry, it was a youth concert, which is Tuesdays and Wednesday mornings. And then we bring, we bus kids in and, you know, we teach them to say bravo after we play and all that stuff. It's great. Uh, Matthew <laughs> Troy is our conductor for those. And we do instrument demonstrations. And the harp, she's a substitute harpist. So it's not our normal, our normal tenured harpist. Um, and she played What a Wonderful World on the harp. And I was just like, I can't quit music. Like, I'll always, I'll always connect with music. Like, I can't just quit. And I would say as, a, as an advice is that sometimes you have this insurmountable problem, this big wall in front of you, and you think the only solution is to blow the wall up, you know, is to destroy it, or is this big, it's this big problem but music wasn't the problem what the problem was was what I expected of myself and of my career and what I what I expected that even though and this is hilarious because my wife and I talk about this all the time about how she works very hard you know and um, I have to remind her like just because you're working hard like that's hard work is not a value I don't think that that's something that is actually a moral value and I bet a lot of, I bet all my friends would push back on that, but I really don't think that hard work is a value. Hard work is a tool, um, and if you can get the same result not working hard or working hard, you should do it not working hard because then you can work hard at something else. Um, and instead of it being this big thing, uh, the problem was just what I expected and what I was doing. And working really hard and thinking that that's going to make things work out. And that's not the case. And so she played What a Wonderful World. And I was like, okay, well, I can't quit music. I'm like crying. Like, it's like a, you know, these kids are like, bravo! And I've got like tears coming down my eyes, you know? And I'm like, what is this world that we're in? And so I started thinking a little bit more about what my actual problems were. And the thing that I didn't want to admit was just that, you know, maybe higher ed's not for me, or maybe it's not for me right now. Or, you know, I wanted to be in the club of these percussion teachers who, like, maybe don't have any, there are some folks who maybe haven't had any composition training, but they're, like, writing for their kids, and they're getting it published, and then people are performing it, and it's like, I have a lot of training, and, you know, I want to, like, be in that club. I want to be one of the crew, and I think I had to let go of that, and just not, and it's weird, but, like, not worry about anyone else helping anyone else, um, proving anything to anyone else, and and just what is, if I had to only do one thing, what would it be? Like, if I only had one, it would probably be writing music for video games. Like, that's, 
I love it. I'll just be working and five hours will go by. And so I think just being honest with yourself, and for some of us that might mean it is not easy. Like for some of us it might be, I like the idea of being a musician as a career, but I would be happier with a nine to five and then playing in, I have a friend who's a, he's a software developer, um, but he's in like every community ensemble, uh, and some of them he plays percussion, some of them he plays tuba. And he takes tuba lessons and percussion lessons, and he's like financially stable, and he's happy as a clam. I mean, he's he's playing more than I am probably, and mm-hmm. that's like that's awesome for him, and that's the kind of stuff that I think isn't pushed on students, especially that they being a career musician is valuable, but also just having music in your life is valuable, and where you are on that spectrum. You just have to be honest with yourself. And sometimes, apparently, it takes, like, 20 years. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> especially, I mean, I agree with all of that, but especially the part at the end where it doesn't, I, sometimes it can seem like you're either going to have a career in music or you might as well just not have anything to do with it at all. Mm-hmm. But there is a middle area in there where you can enjoy music as a part of your life. So uh, I appreciate that perspective. Um, so we covered... We covered where they people can find you already, but just to make sure, can you repeat one more time in case somebody missed it, uh, the various places people can find you? Yeah, A103 Productions, that's my video game music. And I do some film, but I really prefer video game. Um, and then A103 Marching, which is where all my marching band stuff is. And then jamiewhitmarsh.com, which is my concert music and my steel band music. I have a lot of stuff for steel band as well. Um, yeah, I think those are the three main main websites I have. Yeah, so check those out if you're interested in learning more about Jamie and all of the different things that he's doing. <laughs> um, you can check me out at that'snotspit.com and that's not spit on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode or had any feelings at all, I would really appreciate it if you would give it a rating and a review on iTunes. And don't forget to share this episode on social media so other people can find it jamie james thank you so much i appreciate you being willing to share a little bit about what's going on in your life right now uh, yeah man i appreciate for having it. me i'd like to thank brandon yokum for his work on mastering his this episode of the podcast you can check out brandon's work at epiphanyrecordingstudio.com and most of all i would like to thank you for listening stay strong be kind to yourself never stop growing and we'll see you next time